This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. This week's been kind of interesting. Uh, we've been seeing a high number of COVID cases in Auckland, uh, predominantly in, Auckland, in New Zealand, I say, and predominantly in Auckland. We've had a number down here with, I think, the highest number for one day was 18. So zero or thereabouts in, com- in the community. So we remain at level three, step two, apparently which means that certain things can happen. You can do your shopping at certain places. However, when it comes to the likes of me, I still have to work at home because my work environment is predominantly a... can have large gatherings um, in a COVID-free environment. So for now, I'm still working from home. And when I was speaking to my supervisor yesterday, indications this could carry on for another month. So... Mm month or weeks in this year are running out fairly quickly so i have hmm, just that to look forward to but never mind it's just the way it is and we gotta we gotta put and bear it um a little bit brassed off with the um the anti-vaxxers out there um i think more than anybody they're the ones that are delaying the charge to the 90 percent um fully vaccinated areas but Results look kind of good. Um, uh, Queenstown is an area that's ahead of the pack, uh, followed by the likes of Auckland, Wellington, uh, Nelson, etc. So things are looking upward as they move towards the 90%. How long that will take, I don't know. Hopefully that by the 31st of December 2021, we have a fair idea that most of the country will be moving on, but time will tell. Interestingly, in the COVID space, they're talking about overseas and listening to the news um, this week, uh, particularly as the Northern Hemisphere move towards their winter. um, There's a, a big fear 
of a mutation in the areas of Europe and Asia, which could cost people their lives. And that's just a comment that came off the TV. So watch the space. Um, if that is the case, we should be, um, well, we should get ourselves prepared. So if we require the boat booster um, in May, I think we, 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 should, we should take that up uh, big time. Otherwise, we could lose a lot more people. And that's the general fear, because the mutation may be a, um, a bit more of a serious challenge for, for the vaccination. Interestingly, while we maintain to have anti-vaxxers and those in our community, they may be the precursor for a serious mutation. So that time will tell. Um, interesting other results in the COVID space. Um, positive wastewater tests in Gisborne, Napier, and in Stratford in the Taranaki. And in regard to the latter, that may be just people passing through, um, but time will tell on that one. It was interesting that the mayor was saying that it was a matter of time before it came, was going to come into the area, so he was quite open-minded about that situation with COVID in that part of the city, in that part of the country, I should say, in the Taranaki. Also this week, and it was rather interesting, was the heavy rain in the Gisborne area. They said about what, one six months worth of rain in whatever many days, causing widespread damage to the community. There was uh, a lot of flooding, a lot of, a lot of houses had to be evacuated, uh, and there was a lot of landslides, and the ground was heavily saturated. But it was good to see that the local MP in the form of Kerry Allen, putting her hand up and helping out. And we all know from the news of the past that Kerry had recovered, what was had recovered for, hopefully had recovered from her cancer treatments. But, but good to see her out and about supporting the community. Uh, as I said before, I did spot her with the Prime Minister at one of the games played at Ruatoria between East Coast and one of the visiting teams. So, yeah, but... It, the thing about um, Gisborne is there was only a, few, a number of years ago they had that earthquake and there was a lot of damage and um, and, when, and when we had the earthquake in Christchurch, I think the first one, uh, Gisborne hadn't recovered from that particular earthquake and I'm not too sure what the status is of the city currently you don't seem to tend to follow Gisborne a, a hang of a lot but although we know about the thing that we know about Gisborne is that they've had the um, house prices have increased quite considerably as people have moved into those particular areas because they've been priced out of other places probably such as Auckland, Hamilton, Rotorua etc. Yeah that was an that was an interesting one Still listening to the Three Waters debate, and I recommend that listeners, if they do get the chance, um, listen to a recording of an interview on Radio New Zealand uh, where the Minister for um, Local Government, the Honourable Nanai Mahuta, is talking about or giving an explanation on the Three Waters project. 
and why we have why it's been undertaken now. And she is um, she's a smart operator, and she is fairly clued up on how to respond to any questions that this particular um, interviewer had for her, and she wasn't flustered at all. And she fully accepted the fact that the OK people are questioning it. However, it has to be done because, accordingly, according to her, there was a an audit done about 20 years ago where they identified the crumbling status of water infrastructure in this country. And um, it had, something had to be addressed at the time, but governments and whatever else had delayed and delayed until it reached the point of no return which we probably have gone past already in respect of a lot of the, a lot of the um, towns and cities, um, particularly water piping and sewage piping. So I know that people are up in arms about it, and it's there's this fear that certain parties will control it and, and certain parties will lose control of it. I think people need to listen to the interview. I think people need to read this information about the Three Waters Project to get a clear idea of what has actually been asked for. And it's actually asking for us to have better drinking water, swimmable rivers, and a better way of treating, or how we deal with, treated water. So that was something that I picked up off Facebook, and I, sh and I put it on the Free Left Turn Facebook page. If anybody's interested, uh, it's there to listen to. So yeah. That's the news of the week.
disruption of your evening in the form of fireworks in anticipation of Guy Fawkes Night. I can't understand why as a country we still indulge in this inane business of celebrating what for a better term was a terrorist event. I don't believe there are any other countries outside us and possibly England but I may be incorrect who want to remember something like this. I know that animals don't like the damn stuff. I find it annoying. I find it a waste of time. And I grew up in a time when you had what we call um, dangerous fireworks, um, double happies, jumping jacks, etc., etc. And all sorts of nasty things were done with fireworks in my time, which uh, people would shudder at um, what's been said. It's rather disgraceful that we had used fireworks in that manner to basically maim and kill animals. I, I think the whole day, we I think the whole whole thing should both be cast in the rubbish bin and the only thing that should really happen is a public event. However, we still indulge in this nonsense. And lo and behold, hearing the um, news on the television again, to rely on that, that um, the, the people, the businesses who sell the fireworks, they made a profit, made a significant profit, the sales were up. They weren't, they weren't complaining, they were not like those other whingers who are, who are whining about being under lockdown for so, so, so bloody long, uh, or under restrictions for so long. These people who sell the fireworks definitely made a profit. And yes, it made a profit all right, but for a few minutes of joy, um, I call it a few minutes of wasting time. So I agree with the whole thing being um, abolished or um, prohibited for and replaced by a public event. But what what are we actually celebrating? If you ask somebody, oh, oh, oh Guy Fawkes, um, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's November 1st, we live a few crackers or we fire a few fire um, um, skyrockets into the air and blah, 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 blah. But, and, and actually, well, who was Guy Fawkes? Well, um, Guy Fawkes was an Englishman, and he lived in the uh, 16th and 17th century. Um, Guy Fawkes, or Guido, uh, Guido Fox, and I'll quote it from my book, I've got it in front of me, it's just a concise um, dictionary or companion to the British history. Guy Fawkes. 1570 to 16, 1606, or 1606. Um, Guy Fawkes was born in York, 
in a family of Protestant ecclesiastical lawyers. His father died when he was nine, and his, step and his stepfather seems to have influenced him to become a Catholic. At 23, he enlisted in the Spanish army in the Netherlands. In 1604, Catsby, who was one of the conspirators, and we might just talk about the gunpowder plot briefly, uh, and his fellow conspirators, dis despairing of obtaining relief for the Catholics from James I, brought Guy Fawkes into their plot to blow up the King and Parliament and proclaim the Princess Elizabeth. Princess Elizabeth was James's oldest child, and she was to become the Queen of Bohemia, or known as, famously known as the Winter Queen. Guy Fawkes was put in charge of the house next to Parliament, from which a tunnel was to be made, and then and then of a cellar, which they hired directly under the House of Lords. He passed under the name of John Johnson. Parliament was repeatedly adjourned until November the 5th, 1605. Guy Fawkes' task was to light the slow fuse to ignore, ignite the barrels of gunpowder. After a warning letter to Lord Monteagle, the cellar was searched and Guy Fawkes was taken. But if we just talk about the gunpowder plot for a moment, okay, that's 1605. Soon after becoming King of England, in 1603, James I discreetly relaxed the penal laws which subjected Catholics to fines, imprisonment and even death. However, the ensuing uproar in Parliament persuaded him to backtrack, leaving the Catholics feeling betrayed and hopeless, particularly since the conclusion of police with Spain in 1604 had deprived them of help from from that quarter. And the young Catholics, Catholic hotheads, um, decided to seize the initiative by destroying the entire English government. They smuggled barrels of gunpowder into the cellars of Parliament and Guy Fawkes stood ready there to light the fuse on the 5th of November. Lords and Commons were assembled, King's Lords and Commons were assembled for the opening of the new session. Plot was betrayed, and the conspirators were executed, uh, were captured. Okay, so they were taken and sentenced to the tower, and where they were tortured. The, uh, some, some other conspirators were killed in the ensuing capture, but the bulk of them were taken alive and taken to tower where they were tortured and tried. And, well, they were found guilty, of course. And the punishment for that was to be hung, drawn and quartered. And that's what happened to them. Um, because they were going to commit regicide or they were going to kill the king. The thing about, the, the thing about James... The first, formerly James VI of Scotland, was that he was a Protestant, but he was fairly um, warm to the Catholics, and his wife, Anne of Denmark, was a Catholic, so he was quite um, comfortable with them. But there, but a lot of a lot of his countrymen or parliamentarians, parliamentarians were not. So yeah. Regicide, um, even if he's just taken a, taken aside, when King Charles I was executed for for I think it was public enemy or treason or whatever it was by the Roundheads or the Parliamentarians, um, when the when the monarchy was returned to England in the sixteen in sixteen sixty, the uh, King the Charles II 
um, made sure that the regicides, or those who were involved in the death of his father, paid the full price. And that was including the digging up prom, under the Cromwell's body and a person called John Urton and hanging them in chains as a punishment for regicide. Going back to star, going back to what I said, Guy Fawkes um, was a it was a plot. It was a terrorist act, and they wanted to blow up Parliament, and for and it failed, and for that they paid with their lives. And that's and that's what it is. That's what Guy Fawkes is. Guy Fawkes is about that, and it's. But the people should realise some of the um, darker parts of it. The darker parts of it, it was a plot. And it was a terrorist plot, and the way that the men who were part who were part of the conspiracy died, and they died the most horrific way possible. As an aside, the thing that probably saved Guy Fawkes is that he broke his bloody neck when they hang when they when they tried to hang him, and that saved him from all the other um, indignities and um, agonies, as it were. So yeah, if you want to know about Guy Fawkes, you need to read your history. That's exactly what it was. It was a Catholic plot to blow up Parliament and kill the king. And I still, I can't understand, again, as I said before, why we celebrate that event in the way that we do. And as I said, with anyone, only one of a few countries that do that. And letting our fireworks in the ways that we have over, over the years, we've been bloody irresponsible. If we're not killing animals or maiming them, we're maiming each other. And the sooner we do away with guy sales or, or um, firework sales for that purpose, the better.
my colleague Fred shared an article which he bought off stuff this week and it was entitled Hamilton rubbished rubbish halved but many residents still not happy with recycling service so it goes on like this the streets are cleaner the amount of waste going to landfill has been halved and the Hamilton City Council is to its surprise richer since the introduction of a new bin based recycling scheme in spite of those successes, complaints about the council's rubbish and recycling service are up, or well up. The, many, the, the litany of lamenters from people aggrieved by the inadequacies of the service and is almost about and, and, uh, and is mostly about missing collections, the size of the bins, and complaints about the council's slow response to in responding to complaints. So yeah, we always have whinges including me. Another source of ire is an increase in illegally dumped rubbish in and around the city, otherwise known as fly tipping. Okay, so meanwhile 30 households have had their recycling bins taken away after they were found to be continually chucking rubbish into yellow topped mixed recycling bins. And that's an interesting one. And the way I say it is interesting is if they have the bin taken away, what becomes of the rubbish or recycling? That is an interesting question. I don't know if um, taking away a bin is actually the best of solutions. Maybe they could look at some sort of docking system around um, fines or or a rate, a rate penalty or something but to take away the bin means that the rubbish has to go somewhere and it's probably being illegally dumped it says each suspension of service lasts for three months well that's a bloody long time maybe a month if it was if they wanted to explore that sort of avenue but three months it makes you think a thing again where are they putting their rubbish the people whose bins have been um well, they could, they're not being picked up the good and bad aspects of the service are detailed in a report to the Council's Infrastructure Operations Co Committee. The bin service which replaced the regime in which household rubbish of all kinds was, par was piled into plastic bags began in the, on, on August the 31st of last year. Most residents have adopted well to the new scheme, some had not as evidenced by the average of 52 complaints to the city, to the council each month, about 40 more than was deemed acceptable. In the last 12 months of operation, more than 5.7 tonnes of food waste was trucked to contractors and biowastes composting plant in Hampton Downs, instead of being dumped straight into the landfill. School, some of the green waste has come back to the city in the form of Trompost, which has been used by council staff in parks and gardens, as well as a growing number of community groups. As compliance manager Trent Fowles wrote in his report, the food waste service was at least initially the focus of numerous complaints about missed pickups of the little green bin. This was because it was effectively being victim of its own success. The council and Waste had not expected such a huge amount of food waste and because of the sheer volume the pickups in numerous streets could not be done 
until the following day. And I think we spoke about that. I think Fred pointed it out late last year during one of our shows. The addition of an extra truck and pickup crew had helped rectify the situation. The past three months have been have seen valid missed collections come down from 366 in July to 326 in September. This is a significant improvement from the start of the service when 2,591 missed collections were reported in September 2020. There was still a way to go before the service hits its well-set target of no more than 110 missed collections in a given month. As context to this, over the, over the quarter there were 1,026 missed collections out of 1,102,296 bins emptied. This represents a 99.91% clearance rate of bins emptied. An unexpected benefit of the new service was the identification of, of about 280 incorrectly, incorrectly rated properties under the council's separately used or inhabited part of a rating unit designations. Uh, this, so this re, um, resulted in a windfall in the return or in the form of increased rate revenue of about 160000 per year. The bin service has also provided a better visual street appeal and seen a reduction in loose and windblown litter in on the curbside. Although I sometimes I beg to differ because people sometimes see their bins out there for nigh on a week before it's put away. The food bins are left lying around, etc., etc., etc. The other other eye well, other eyesore you see, that you see are overloaded red litter bins with um, black polythene bag still being utilised. Okay, carrying on with this. Uh, on average, the number of requests to clean up litter has reduced by approximately a third. Although illegal dumpling, usually in black plastic bags, fly tipping as I said, was not nearly as bad as what it was when the service got started, the problem had a tendency to increase in months when the city was subject to COVID lockdowns, and we remember all that. Early this year, an audit of the red top bins found the average amount of waste volume in March 2021 was 8.74 kilograms per household per fortnightly collection, compared with 2017's result, which were 8.54 kilograms per household per weekly collection. This represented a 49% reduction in the average amount of rubbish being deposited or disposed of, of per household. So yeah, it looks like it's a it looks like it's a it's an overall success, a roaring success. Well, probably the the jury would be out on that one, but I still have question marks around that. Um, I make an effort to look after our bins because I, I, I deem us to be what's that word kaitiati of our bins to make sure that they do have a longer life but there, there are people around this particular area who don't have that same philosophy um, food bins have been um, destroyed uh, food bins are not I believe adequately cleaned um, and, they, and they're just shabby uh, as I said before, bins are left um, lining the footpath days after they've been emptied, and the, and the the big bugbear for me is within the red litter bins. As I said before, 
people are still using black plastic bags. I thought the whole idea of this scheme was to phase that out. But apparently, you can still see them. And a no better place to encourage that behaviour is at your local supermarket where they still sell the black bags. But things can only get better, I suppose. Um, the upside of it is the food waste, um, or the trompost as they call it, has um, definitely uh, reduced the amount of food or waste food going directly into the landfill. So that's a big plus. And in saying that, um, reduces that the dreaded methane and things like that. So, the 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 Hamilton rubbish collection, uh, love it or lump it. Uh, I tend to think, well, it's a step in the right direction. Oh, my God.
came across this interesting article in Stuff from a person called Glenda Hughes. Now, Glenda was a former national candidate, and she is also, better looking than me, uh, is a former police officer, parole board member, and criminologist. And this article centres around law and order. And it's quite, uh, I think it's a, a worthwhile having a read, and I'll put it on our, on the uh, Free Left Turn radio page. Interestingly, when you think about national in particular, and then law, law and order, law, law and order policy, that they always announce prior to an election, it has that same flavour to it. Lock them up and throw away the key. Uh, take away rights of prisoners, have longer sentences. Though that sort of um, philosophy around that is rather moronic because it doesn't solve the issues around criminality in our community. It more, more or less exacerbates it. And this is what Glenda writes. Um, COVID commentator and ACC hatchet man Des Gorman said recently we need to to politize health in order to make in order to make um, the most effective decisions, and the same applies to law and order. Our legislators need to take start engaging with people who have worked alongside our vulnerable community members and have an empathy with how they feel and think. They need to understand the underlying causes of criminal activity and what has led to the increased levels of gang membership and methamphetamine use in Aotearoa, New Zealand. They should be listening to and taking heed of the submissions to the Royal Commission of Inquiry into Historical Abuse in State Care and the Care of Faith-Based Institutions. When somebody like Mongrel Mob spokesperson Harry Tam steps forward to offer his help, to address the burgeoning drug abuse and gangs, they should engage and listen, as they they will certainly learn something. Correct, I totally agree, agree with that. People who know who've been on that at the coalface will know will know a lot, and they're always worthwhile listening to. But with with the growing invasion of Parliament by long long term careerists, both advisers and MPs, the effect on sensible decision making has become progressively more concerning. No longer are many crucial decisions made in the interest of the greater good of our community, nor are they being opposed for those reasons either. Yeah, so we expect our leaders to make decisions that's for the good of the community. And as I said before, to to address criminal behaviour, root causes, those who work at the coalface, etc., etc., these should be all taken in. And disappointingly, disappointingly, when such MPs are offered the chance to speak to those who do know the best solutions, they often decline, often decline to engage. Yes, very important words. They often decline to engage. As I say, we always been, there's always been this, always talk about the need to engage with people. Doesn't matter who it is, and, it, and Harry Tam, and those sorts of people need to be engaged with. It is, it is a, it is, it is the declared approach of National Law and Order spokesperson Simeon Brown, for instance, not to speak 
to the gangs and to condemn all other politicians who do so. And I think she was talking about uh, Harry Tam and um, Sonny Fatapaitu um, being um, given special exemptions to um, communi communicate with gangs around the vaccination or the COVID-19 vaccination or to take the COVID-19 um, vaccination up. Okay, so she's critical of him. Apparently he always knows all the answers before asking any questions. That sounds about right. If you if you are a person on Instagram or on Twitter, you'll come across the, the moronic comments, not of him, but some of his other national colleagues um, and we apparently pay these people we don't pay the we shouldn't be paying these people to, to make stupid moronic comics we should be paying these people to do a job and a proper job and one of the proper jobs is to engage with whatever levels of community need to for the betterment of society sounds a bit of a rant doesn't it but like so many other politicians he appears completely ignorant of the barriers and treatment faced by our most more vulnerable society members. Recent controversy around funding for the methamphetamine, methamphetamine rehab program instigated by the mongrel mob plays directly into the cynical tactics of escalating public fear and, ingr and ignorance just to gain votes. And when, when I looked at some of the earlier stuff around the, uh, the methamphetamine program, Glenda Hughes was a big supporter of it, along with um, others. Um, it reminds me of my own experiences in the 1990s when I undertook to assist a high-profile serial violent offender to reintegrate. My rationale was that his, his, his finance sentence sorry, was coming to an end and he was about to be released back into society. Without appropriate support, his only option would be to return to prison or a pattern of offending which would result in more victims. But my involvement with him resulted in personal attacks on me, accusations that I had lost my mind, my mother being aggressively questioned as to my sanity and threats, I would never be re-employed. Even close friends told me I had gone too far this time. The media demanded to know whether I could promise he would never re-offend and what, and what would happen if he did. So people are always wanted to take you down but they're not willing to support you and even probably support that that gentleman in making him a more acceptable member of um, society. They always go back to the criminal offending and hang that on you. And that's what that's what a lot of our, our politicians, a lot of our media commentators, a lot of our know-it-alls out there do. The story of his early life is similar to that of many gaming, gang members and P users. From the age of nine months to eight years, he was beaten, kicked, bashed, starved, and at times resorted to eating dog food. From the age of eight to 30 years, he was incarcerated in various forms of institutions around the country, from boys' homes to family homes, Borstal to prison. He was subjected to electric convulsive treatment, or ECT, while in mental institutions such as Lake Ellis and Porirua hospitals, and a victim of abuse by many of the people we pay to run our state and religious care facilities. None of the perpetrators of what happened to him were ever brought to justice.
She goes on. She goes on. Thanks to Sam Chapman and his wife Thelma, who run the RFI Community Development Foundation, an organisation organisation sorry that helps those who have lost hope or been rejected by society. The reintegration the reintegration was successful. That former offender is now a highly valued professional and continues to contribute positive, positively to his community and has never returned to prison. So there, if if you're willing to work with a person you can get the positive results. Some of our hard-to-reach gang members have put their hands up and asked for help to do the right thing. Those who have the ability and trust to assist them with that is what with what is needed sorry, to achieve that change are willing to work with them like any other program the work involved the, the work involved needs resourcing and it's a it's a it's a pretty um long commitment as well i would suspect but due to the nature of the program and that's the r5 foundation the resourcing will be scrutinized far more than many of the other programs and see that that's with that 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 um that p program that's tied to the mongrel mob um far more than more than any of the other programs using government grants and funding if we are to succeed in fixing gnarly and complex complex social issues, however the debates need, however, if we are to bear with this again, if we are to succeed in fixing and fixing gnarly and complex social issues, however the debate needs to include those with first hand experience, so we can effectively address the issues we are trying to correct, resorting to expressing populist condemnations and criticisms from the sideline does not bring the right results. No, it's all it's all negative and it plays to that place of people's heartstrings. The best information always comes from those who have been there and done that. Thank you, Glenda Hughes, for that. And I, t- I totally agree with what she is saying.
Independent community media for the Waikato. Free FM 89.0. We're live at the Newport Folk Festival. We're at the quad stage, the stage in the middle of the fort with the drive-by truckers. Hi, good afternoon. Started with the board, and that's still where it 
Give me a ticket for an aeroplane Ain't got time to take a fast train Lonely days are gone, I'm a-going home My baby just wrote me a letter I don't care how much money I gotta spend Got to get back to my baby again Lonely days are gone, I'm a-going home My baby just wrote me a letter When she wrote me a letter Said she couldn't live without me no more Listen, mister, can't you see I got to get back to my baby once more Anyway, yeah, give me a ticket for an aeroplane Ain't got time to take a fast train Lonely days are gone, I'm a-going home My baby sister wrote me a letter When she wrote me a letter, said she couldn't live without me no more. Listen, mister, can't you see I got to get back to my baby once more? Anyway, yeah, give a ticket for an aeroplane. Ain't got time to take a fast train. Lonely days are gone, I'm a going home. My baby just don't put me a letter. My baby. episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices, or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.